welcome to episode 153 of Brutal Battle. Yes, we're back. We're in the new house of the Kalasnicks, uh, doing this with Nathan, and uh, his cat Malkin is, uh, you know, every now and then up on the table, back down from the table, so he might join us if you hear tags jingling. That's that's what's going on. He, he too, is a craft beer connoisseur. He is. He likes to hang out in craft beer boxes, actually, so that's his hangout of choice. Obviously a craft beer backer. Well, let me do what has replaced Top Knowledge. It's the uh, craft, uh, the beer autofill on Google. So I put in, how come beer, and then the letter C, and here's what comes up. How come no one drinks in beer commercials? How come I can't drink beer anymore? How many beer, this is, the, is exactly how it says, how many beer come in a case? <laughs> how come you can't drink beer in, a com- in commercials? How did root beer come to be carbonated? So we've already covered on a previous one, why can't I drink beer anymore? So let's do the, how come no one drinks in beer commercials? Should be interesting. And this is with, it's through Facebook, actually. The first one is, now it's just an article. So I'm going to go back. All right. So Quora, which is the... Yeah, the same one as last time. Yeah, the, the forum site. So the question is, why are TV beer commercials not allowed to show people drinking the beer? You never see the people actually take a drink of the beer during the commercial. Never found anything that explains it. Certainly must be a legal issue. So the first person to respond to that, his name is Rick Taylor. All right, good job, Rick. Uh, technically, they are allowed to show people drinking, but the alcohol companies have very strict self-regulation policies that they all agree on. The reason there are few laws on advertising alcohol is because of these self-imposed rules. This is in stark contrast to the tobacco industry who pushed the envelope too far, including marketing to children, is why they can no longer advertise on TV. Alcohol companies don't want this to happen to them, so not showing people drinking is one of the things they decide not to do. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind of like a self-policing ordeal. At least that's what Rick Taylor says. So, interesting. I'll, I'll believe him. I'll believe him, too, just for the sake of the podcast. Let's just, let's all just believe Rick Taylor. I mean, he sounds like a reputable dude. Sounds smart. <laughs> You're the man, Rick. All right, so you, Nathan, have a warm-up beer for us. Yes, I always love having some sort of special beer to bring. Um, and this one is quite possibly the most interesting beer that we've ever had. Um, it's an Omnipolo beer, and it's just the bottle with a smiley, smiley face. face sticker on it. Um, and there is a little bit uh, on the back with their um, decaler. With the government warnings and stuff like that. So it's Omnipolo. I don't know if it's Noah or NOA. Um, it's the Pecan mm. Mud Cake beer. Huh. Sounds good. Um, so it says here, Imperial Stout with, it says, artificial flavor and caramel color. Mm. So we shall see about this beer. Um, should be interesting. The sounds interesting. Anything with nuts and stouts chocolate and, and chocolate mud should cake. be good. And we got to... Go easy on it, so that way the... Uh, What's ABV on that? Did you say it? I mean, um, Well, it looks like it's... This makes it look like it says 1%, but I think it's 11. Let's see. Didn't print all the 11, way. 11. Yeah, 11%. Oh, okay. And according... I got this from Golden Crust. Um, Beer Advocate gave it a 93. Okay. Well, obviously it looks like stout. It looks very dark. It's got a nice tan head to it. Um... When you say mud cake, it makes me think it. When I smell this, it must have super, super chocolatey, 
uh, nose to it. Yeah. Okay. I get some of that pecan, actually. I do get the pecan notes with lots of chocolate. Mm -hmm. For some reason... It does kind of smell like cake. There's a little bit of a coffee aspect in the nose. I feel like I get a little bit... It does kind of... If you breathe real deep, you do get kind of like a little bit of like that cake aspect. Like real real uh, chocolatey. Kind of reminds me a little bit if people have had German chocolate cakes. Because that has nut. Uh, I think it's walnuts though. Like nuts with a, like a caramelly sauce on like a chocolate cake. Because I get some caramel notes. Like definite like brown sugar and caramel notes in this. With that pecan aspect and plenty of chocolate. And right under all that, I feel like I get a little bit of a cherry hint. Like a dark cherry note. Kind of weird. There's a, yeah, a little bit of a fruit aspect in there. Mm. Tons of pecan flavor on it, though. With caramel. Like, it, it really is kind of like that icing that you get for um, German chocolate cakes, but substitute That's the walnuts with pecans. Um, I like the nutty. Mm-hmm. That's good. A lot of pecan, a lot of caramel. There's a chocolate right under that. I'm tasting a tad bit of that cherry aspect on the very, very end of each taste. But, obviously, it's mainly the pecan, the caramel, and the chocolate. I'm going to give us a little bit of a splash more so we can send the other half up to the ladies. It's good. That's tasty. It is. Um, the, The amount of pecan with that caramel mixing is... It's almost to a point where I'd say you gotta stop, you know, but it's not too much they yet. Have it right up to the limit of right. being too much. So I think when I, well, I'm, I'm assuming they kind of tested tested the flavor of it when they were working on the recipe, but I, I feel like they were correct when they were just like, okay, right there, stop right there. That's mm-hmm. where we're gonna put it. I think so. it's, I like it a lot. NOA or Noah. Good beer. I'm, yeah, um, and as I keep sipping it, I'm getting a little bit of, uh, like, some nice roasty coffee that's kind of building. That's good. You do get a little bit of the alcohol um, yeah. on there. I can perceive it. Um, does it taste like 11? It's yeah. close. Close, yeah. yeah. It's right around there. You could, you could get away with saying I do, And I do like that you get you do get kind of that cake aspect. Yeah, like, kind of like you know sponge cake or how those cakes like. Or like spongy. a rich, yeah, the richness that you get from some chocolate cakes. And when they say mud cake, like you, you think like rich chocolate. Mm-hmm. So good, good, yeah. good beer. Good job, Omnipolo. I'm always happy with Omnipolo stuff. It's at least decent. I don't think I've had a single Omnipolo where I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I at least I'm like, that's solid too. That's real good. So I'm trying to. Really measure out this half. <laughs> Don't worry about it, man. You can send up as much as you want for the ladies. So today I wanted to talk real quick about an article that uh, was posted on literatureandlibation.com. Uh, it's the Literature and Libation blog that's done by Oliver Gray, who was on the show for a few episodes. Um, if you haven't heard those, people go back, find him, listen to him. He's a very riveting individual and an awesome beer blogger. So he wrote this article called The Cult of Craft, And it's basically asking the question, um, are craft beer nerds kind of acting like craft beer is a cult? Is it becoming like cult activity? So the main crux of of this article, he breaks down 
aspects of what an actual cult is. And, you know, each, there are like a few bullet points of saying this defines a cult, this defines a cult. So I wanted to kind of read those and, and explore to see if we think that each, each of those, you know, fit into the craft beer community at the moment. So the first one is the group displays excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its belief system and ideology. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I can agree with that one, especially because of the rabid amount of hatred towards the outsiders uh, that are the macros. Um, Not only that, but people are very crazy about defending certain craft breweries. Yeah. And I like we talked about it. Actually, it was an episode you were on. Um, we talked about I had an experience with someone who was extremely offended at one point when I said that I didn't like a brewery that they yeah. liked. And I'm just like, I just don't like it. Like, what's wrong with that? And they were just like off the rails pissed. And mm-hmm. I was just like, OK. So I think that plays definitely into that aspect of a cult. Uh-huh. Uh, they're vehemently arguing, this is amazing and this is why. And. Yeah, so I think that fits. The next one is questioning, doubt, and dissent are discouraged or even punished. Um, eh. I don't, I'm not so sure about that. Typically people are pretty accepting and open, open to, it's not my, like when somebody says, oh, it's not my style, I don't, you know, I don't really prefer it. I, I don't think people really jump down your throat too much about things like that. Or... Well, okay. <laughs> I see it from a, a few different aspects. Yeah. So I'd say yes and no to this one. No in the sense that if you have a new brewery come out and there's not a whole lot of opinion formed on it and people are saying different things, then I think people are more accepting with that, more open and just like, okay, you feel this way about it, you feel this way, yeah. that's fine. But if you take a more established brewery, that people are like, they're amazing. Like something like a Firestone Walker, like a Bells, Founders, something like that. Cigar City, you know, and then someone is saying, oh, I, I hate it or this is bad. I feel like, especially online, people are going to jump on that person. Be like, you're crazy, you're stupid, what's your problem? And that kind of, yeah. you know, ties into the first bullet point in that sense. So I think as long as they're not like super established, people are a little more accepting, but... Uh, there is that questioning of doubt and dissent once there's been a reputation established for a brewery. Either way, too. Like, even if it's one that everyone's like, oh, they're terrible. Like, think about the macros right now. Yeah. You know, people will say, AB InBev, terrible. So say they come out with, like, a an IPA. They decide to come out with their own IPA under the AB InBev flag, not under one of the craft breweries they buy. And people are immediately probably going to be like, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. But if somebody's like, oh, that's good. Guarantee people are going to jump on them and be like, you're terrible. What are you doing? Yeah. So I can see that. Yeah. The next bullet point is the leadership dictates sometimes in great detail, how members should think, act and feel untapped, which you could see as the leadership. That's very like untapped and beer advocate and stuff. That's very influential on how people buy their beers. Like Mm -hmm. I know you've mentioned like, People won't even buy a beer unless it's got a 90 or above yeah. on untapped. I personally, I do anything in the 80s I give a chance. Typically, if it's below the 80s, I don't want to spend my money on it, especially in Pennsylvania where things are inflated to buy singles of things. That's true. Well, also, you need to think that there are barely any beers that are below 80. 
on Beer Advocate yeah. anyway, which is another topic I touched before. It's just funny it's out of 100, but barely anyone scores below an 80. So it's, it's really, it's just out of 20, yeah. to be honest. But, um, yeah, so, yeah. So you're leaving yourself pretty open, which is good. But, yeah, I would say in the sense of, like, you can, you can point to certain sites, like rating sites, and I would say they are kind of the leadership in this situation, and they're the ones kind of dictating how everyone acts. Yeah. Well, I mean, even breweries in general being the leadership saying, you know, this is my beer, this is what you should taste. I mean, they're dictating, you know, kind of flavors, flavors yeah. what you should expect from the beer, and hopefully they, they live up to it and they're pretty spot on to what they say. Yeah. Well, yeah, see that. Uh, next one is the group is elitist, claiming a special exalted status for itself, its leaders, and members. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I would say. Well, I don't think craft beer people see themselves better than everybody else. But when it comes to beer drinkers, beer beer drinkers, yes. Like I would consider craft beer people. They would be like, "Oh, you drink Bud Light? You're a terrible person." Right. But as far as you know, oh, you can't come to my house. I don't think it goes that far because there there is a lot of elitism. I think within the craft beer community, especially in the in the sense of you know somebody somebody goes out and they they discover all the <coughs> excuse me discover all these awesome um, smaller like lesser known yeah. breweries, and so they feel like they're awesome because they discovered them first. So then, whenever they have any sort of conversation with someone. They'll be like, "Oh, well, th- this is what's awesome. If you don't agree with yeah. that, then you're just stupid." And I don't think it extends to the extent where you have like rich people and poor people how they don't communicate. I think craft beer people are willing to try to talk people into their stuff. Right. That's true. But if they're like, "Oh, Bud, to... Light, Bud Light forever," then I don't think you know a craft beer person is really going to even bother. But, the, with but that. these people are kind of <laughs> like missionaries for that cult. Trying to convert yeah. individuals to the craft beer religion, in a sense, which I see that all the time. And the other thing is with the, with the elitist thing, I've been, I in my past, I've been um, guilty of that. And even in small degrees, where say you have a bunch of people hanging out and you have some amazing beer, so you have like some heady toppers or you know stuff that's really hard to get a handle on, and then you you're picking in your mind. I will share it with these people, but I will not share it with these people mm-hmm. because X people will appreciate it and understand how rare it is and how hard it is to yeah. really appreciate the flavors. But these other people, I feel like their palates aren't, you know, advanced enough. They won't really appreciate it. So I feel like that's kind of a form of elitism too. So good to point out. Uh, next bullet point, the group has a polarized us versus them mentality, which may cause conflict with the wider society. Well, I think that obviously fits in with craft beer versus macro. And I don't even think that needs a ton of explanation because people see it in commercials. People just see it mm-hmm. on the internet and forums all over the place. I mean, you, ex- you've experienced that yeah. plenty, I'm sure. Yeah. That one's an easy one. Uh, next, the group is preoccupied with bringing in new members. We talked about this just yeah. a, a few seconds ago. You know, they're, they're out there trying to convert people and say, you know, if you tried this craft beer, it's kind of similar to like a macro, but it's better. It's made with better ingredients, yeah. and it's you know American-owned company, you know, which there's validity to that, of course. It, the group is preoccupied with making money. Um, um I I don't think so. I much. think in general, craft beer people probably lose money because they're always 
you know, you are always getting like all these like really highly sought after beers and you share them. So yeah. you're, you're not really reaping all the benefits of, of that. You share it with a whole bunch of other people or, you know, you trade beers and give beers away. So, yeah, I agree with I that. But then on the flip side, you could look at just looking at the actual breweries themselves. Obviously they are trying to make money. Yeah. So you can make that argument cause that's part of the craft beer culture. Um, but also these people who go to special beer releases and they, um, they buy extra bottles and then sell them online because there is that secondary black market that people have for selling these very rare beers for a lot of money. So in that aspect, you do have some people just trying to make money off it. I don't think it's as common as some people might think, but um, it happens from time to time. So, But I haven't participated in that. I don't sell beers secondhand, and I don't, I don't pay for them secondhand either. So I will trade with people. Um, next one is members are encouraged to are encouraged or required to live and or socialize only with other group members. Um, maybe in some cases, but I think as a whole, probably not. Yeah, people. I don't think they're encouraged to. I think it is something that it just happened happens. because it's you know why would you hang out with seven people who just want to talk about Bud Light or something yeah. like that? Well, and the thing is. With everything, it's kind of a natural thing. You want yeah, to gravitate you, to people gravitate who like people what that, you like. Yeah, I mean, think about it in the context of a sports team. Mm-hmm. You know, don't you feel exhilarated when you meet another person who's into the team as much as yeah. you are? Yeah. Like the conversation that can happen there is much more interesting to you. You feel more connected to that person. It's yeah. more exciting. So that's our take on that one. And then the last bullet point: the most loyal members feel there can be no life outside the context of the group. That might be a stretch. As far as beer goes, yes. You know, but as far as like everyday life goes, I say no. Because people have other things they do. It's not like they're like, okay, I'm into craft beer. I have to, you know, live and breathe it. And I can't have any job outside of craft beer. Although I'm sure there are people who are like that. I don't think it's common. Yeah. So, um, So most of them confirmed in that case. Some of them disproved, well, in our opinions. Yeah. Everyone's got their own opinion, if so. You would just sort of ask the flat-out question, is, you know, the craft beer community a cult? I probably would have said no, because typically when you think of cult, you think of the negative aspects with, like, satanic, ri- satanic rituals and, you know, sacrificing pigeons and weird stuff like that. You don't think I of think that, of mass suicides. Yeah, that drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. But when you break it down into the definition, I... It, I think it probably craft beer drinkers do fit into yeah. a cult. Yeah, it does seem very cultish, especially if you're spending a lot of time online on like craft beer forums mm-hmm. or you know things like Beer Advocate. You know, like we brought up before. You know, it is a it, it makes things kind of cultish. It, it really does. So Oliver Gray, literature and libation. I think you're kind of onto something. It doesn't hit all the points, but yeah, overall, I think you're right. Yeah, cultish. <laughs> 80% at least, I would say. Is that extremely up. terrible, though? I don't know. I can't really answer that question. I think it's individual. Yeah. Cult, cults get a bad rap, but in this case, it's kind of benign. Yeah. It's not like we're going to murder anyone, us yeah. craft beer lovers. <laughs> I would hope not. All right, well, I think we covered that pretty well. Let's go ahead and do mystery beers, man. All right. These so, two look different. Different, but norm. probably the same. 
Um, the A is more of your golden straw colored, and B is more of your copper reddish tone. A little brown mixed little in brown, there. Yeah. Uh, they're both pretty clear. Nothing yes. floating in them. No haziness from when from A came anymore. down. It had they had some pretty big head on there. Yeah, it's, it's dissipated almost to nothing now. All right, well, let's go ahead and try A. <clears throat> this is the lighter of the two. Oh, what is that? There's it a... smells like something I've had before. Actually, there's an oranginess in there. Mm-hmm. It's very orangey. Smells like an orangey IPA. There's a little bit of a floral aspect in there. This tad flowery. I'm at a slight advantage because I know where these beers came from. Not necessarily because Rebecca brought some extras from home. Oh, she did have some extras. Rebecca picked some other ones up from Golden Crust Pizza when we went and got lunch. So now this it could be from there. It could be from our home state. It smells very similar to um, a Sierra Nevada beer I just had. I think it was called the Otrevez. It's Otrevez. a. It's made has cactus in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what this one smelled like. I don't I don't remember that beer? I tried a very small sample of it before, but the more I keep sniffing on this, it has a little bit of an apple juice aspect to it. Yes, it's very apple juicy, but there's a decent amount of citrus in there as well. It doesn't smell all that malty. It smells very light and crisp and sweet. Not lagery though, like definitely an ale type smell. Although I could end up eating my words on that. Who knows? Tons of apple juice aspect, though. Very clean on the it finish. very clean. Very watery, though. It's got a watery finish to it. I think a lot of the flavor just kind of falls right off your tongue. Uh, that apple juice aspect is very present. It drinks like a standard ale. It's an easy beer. Mm-hmm. That's a outside. It's hot. You get a little bit of flavor, but it's it's an easy easy to take brew. It just flows like water. It's very watery, to be honest. There's a little bit of a citrus hint in there, a little orangey aspect. There's not a whole lot of bitterness on the end either. No, you just get a lot of kind of actual. It almost smells very similar to apple juice. Yeah, and and has those apple appley tastes. This is definitely a lawnmower style type of beer. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have it outside when it's hot, whatever. Um, whatever on this beer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a very, bad. It's, it's a very great. neutral. It's a very neutral beer. Super neutral. Not bad. Not great. It's there. It's yeah. a beer. I could drink it. I mean, I'll keep drinking. I'll finish it. It's, it's good beer to have at the beach anywhere. Yeah. That's hot. That's. Clean, refreshing, don't have to worry about aftertaste. Yeah, this is definitely one of those beers where, and I know people say this to me from time to time, I want to drink a beer that I don't have to think about. This one's perfect. You drink that beer, you get a little bit of flavor. You don't have to think about it. Every sip, it kind of leaves your palate neutral for the Mm -hmm. next sip. So, yeah, it's got its place. All right, let's try uh, B here. This is the darker one, very much more orangey, a little bit of a brownish-reddish tinge. Huh. Smells a little caramelly. Caramel. I get some pine notes in there. A little bit of pine. A little bit of brown sugar, too. Yes. Caramel's a little darker. Brown sugar's a little lighter. I get get some pine, but I also get... 
apricot, a little apricot. <sighs> yeah, I definitely get apricot in there. The more I keep smelling it, the more that caramelly aspect is ramping up and the apricot, and those are becoming the two dominant smells. It smells like it's going to be some sort of, maybe an Imperial IPA? Doesn't, Although it doesn't, doesn't smell bitter. No, it doesn't. That's right. Eh, I don't It'll know. Be very interesting. Try it out. Though. Very malty. Super malty. Yes. There's a lot of earthy, like, piney aspect on there. But then there's a ton of, like, malt sweetness coming through. Getting some of those caramelly notes we were smelling. It's like a dark, rich flavor. Do you think this is considered an IPA? Yes. It, it feels yeah. a little watery. I'm getting those apricot notes out of there, though. Those are there as well. This isn't bad. Hmm. Pine apricot. Maybe a little mango touch in there. Slight. A little kind of like rind flavor. It's got a little bit mm -hmm. of like bitterness, but not necessarily like a hop. Yeah. Um, the bitterness is... Um, Bitterness is kind of medium, like medium yeah, low, maybe. Very medium, yeah. It comes on at the end. It's not very present in the beginning. Kind of lingers a little bit. I'm not wild about either of these, to be honest. They're. I mean, obviously, B has a lot more flavor mm -hmm. kicking in your mouth uh, than A does, but the drinkability, just the sessionable, sessionable qualities of A are interesting. And B's B's a pretty easy drinker as well. It is, except that malt sweetness makes it a little more serious in your mouth. If you give me an option between the two on a hot day, definitely going to go with A, because B has more bitterness to it, and those kind of sweet malty aspects make it feel a little bit thicker in your mouth. So, mm -hmm. <sighs> man, this is tough. I think I know what I'm going to do on them, though. When I go back to A, I get a little bit of a lemony aspect on it as well. <clears throat> okay. If you already know, you feel free to go ahead on your ratings. I'm going to give them both a three. That's um, very funny because I was going to give them both a three yeah, as well. They're, neither one of they're different, but on the same level. they're still similar. They're yeah. both very average. There's nothing that really stands out on them but there's really nothing bad about them so they just they're just very they're just kind of beer yeah they're there it's like there's a beer man there's a beer okay well um let's go ahead and reveal them they're they tie yeah. overall three for both of them that which for the show is just it's a solid beer it's a solid beer so we'll just go a to b so a overall three is puck the beer yeah it's a petite saison that's dry hopped by North Coast Brewing. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I did, when I first smelled it, I did pick up a little bit of that, like, barnyard funk, but I didn't think much about it. It doesn't really taste like a saison. No, right? it doesn't. And that's probably because of the dry hopping. I don't know. It really does not taste like... Doesn't smell it just like tastes, a saison. It just tastes like an ale. Yeah, that's in my opinion. That's not a saison. 
Tastes nothing like a Saison to me. Nothing like it. Uh, Puck the Beer. Interesting. Okay, North Coast. That's a good sessionable beer. Yeah. But I, I don't think it tastes anything like a Saison. <laughs> I don't know what you did to it. All right, B, also overall three, is Vulcan Ale. The Genesis Effect. It is a Red Session IPA. 5.4% alcohol by volume, and it is by, I believe, Schmaltz Brewing Company. Yes. This is the um, Vulcan Ale. It's the tribute to Leonard Nimoy, who obviously was Spock on Star Trek, who passed away not long ago. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty decent beer. I mean, yeah. that's where the, the session aspect comes the session, in. And I guess the red, the red explains it as well, because usually, like, <laughs> red ales or any... More on the malt. Are more malty and... A lot of times they're not too spectacular. They're just a decent, Sexual well-rounded easy. beer. Yeah, yeah. You know, now that I know that it, that it's a Schmaltz beer, it fits the, their style. The malt characteristic—they have a lot of the same malt characteristic in their beers. So, I, knowing that, I can taste it and be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense to be a Schmaltz beer." Mm. Okay, I can finish these. They're both yeah. all right. I mean, not bad. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, uh, Nathan, for being on. We'll see hey, if we do another one. problem. May or may not do another one. We'll see how we're feeling. Because from last episode, that bomb really crept. It was yeah. creeping up. Plus, you know, who knows what else is going on. We're still watching hockey. This is kind of like an in-between periods recording. So, But anyway, thanks so much for being on. I appreciate it. Appreciate you hosting at your new abode. No problem. Glad I can do it. Very Glad cool. we got the space to do it. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, perfect time to plug some stuff. Uh, go ahead and check out these short uh, beer review videos I've been putting on YouTube. It's called Brew Battle Beer Break. And they're like five minutes or less. It's just kind of what I'm drinking in my off time. Check those out. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, please. Also give us ratings and reviews. You just search Brutal Battle. Also, you can find us on Stitcher the same way. Check out the website, BrutalBattle.com. Uh, there are photos of the beers there as well plus a list on the right-hand side of all the best beers that have been on the podcast. Um, also on Untapped, I'm Carlin Cook or Carlton Malibu, all one word. And what else am I doing? I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, at Brutal Battle. I'm Carlin at Brutal Battle, so you can check it out there. <sighs> that stuff is exhausting. What are you on Untapped? Um, Nathan Kalasnik, which, I mean, Kalasnik might be hard to figure out how to spell, <laughs> but my username is Deadly Dosage. All one word? All one word. All one word. All right, well, uh, check us out, see what we're drinking in our off time. Anyway, thanks, everyone, for um, checking out the podcast. Go ahead and tell everybody out there, if you like the podcast, hey, listen to it. Uh, Take a gander at it, because word of mouth is the best way to spread anything. And don't necessarily tell people you're in a beer cult. (laughs) They might take it negatively. Let them figure that out later. (laughs) Let them come to terms with it themselves. But on that note... Thank you, everyone, and keep it brutal. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.